This is episode 59, featuring a coaching call with Team Strength Running member Sam about preventing injuries long-term, the importance of being an athlete, not just a runner, and how to create a cycle of continued improvement. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Fitzgerald, the head coach of Strength Running, and I'm excited to let you listen in over my shoulder on another private coaching call. This time, I'm talking with Sam, a member of Team Strength Running, on his journey to get faster. Sam is like a lot of other runners. He struggles with injuries. In fact, after both plantar fasciitis and IT band syndrome, Sam was left sitting on the side of the road in his first marathon. That ain't fun. He went on to get even more injuries and has been suffering through this chronic cycle of being hurt ever since. But things have started to turn around, and in our conversation today, we're going to be diving deeper into Sam's history as a runner to tease out both the high level and also the more tactical details for how he can escape this cycle of injuries and keep getting faster. If you've ever gotten injured, or if not, would simply like to stay healthy so you can keep doing what you love, this is going to be a very informative podcast. I should add that as a Team Strength Running member, Sam gets coaching advice from me on the regular through our private community group and also our regular live coaches chats where I do an hour or sometimes a little more of Q&A for our members. If you like to see what the team is all about, and I think you should since our group is really affordable and includes so many different resources to help you succeed, go to strengthrunning.com slash TSR. That TSR stands for Team Strength Running. And you can sign up to learn more about how we can help you reach your next running goal. Without further delay, please enjoy my coaching call with Sam. Hey, Sam, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'm excited. We are going to talk all about your running and how we can help you better achieve your goals. And more specifically, we'll talk about uh, your injury history. And I know that's one of the important topics that uh, you wanted to discuss. And so this is going to be a uh, kind of a behind the scenes coaching call type of podcast where uh, a lot of runners can just listen in and hear us discuss all the different things that go into your training that uh, you have done in the past and the strategy and all the tactics that you can then implement in the future to hopefully be more successful. So thanks for doing this. And I guess let's start with just some some background stuff. You know, how old are you? How long have you been running consistently? Give us a picture of, of you as a runner. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm a little jealous of everybody who started in like high school and, and college and all that. I um actually didn't. Uh, I started a little bit later in life, but um, I uh, grew up playing basketball. Played basketball in high school and would only really run for the sake of training for basketball. I quit kind of playing basketball my junior year of high school and um, quit running, kind of quit everything. And then finished high school, went to college, uh, gained some, some serious pounds <laughs> in college, enjoyed my college uh, fast few days, and uh, came out of uh, college. And I had uh, gone from about 140 or so in, in high school to pushing almost 240 uh, coming out of college. And I was really, really short of breath, even walk up a flat of stairs. I said, this has got to change. Um, so I changed some, some dietary habits, quit drinking regular sodas and 
kind of cleaned up my diet a little bit and decided I was going to start running. And so I did um, that and started just, I mean, I was running like 10, 15 miles a week at this time. And then I did that for kind of on and off for a couple years. And then around, that was, I'm 35. Um, so graduated college around 2002 and then came out and uh, ran for a couple years and then decided that I wanted to um, start getting a little more um, serious about running. And so in 2007, I kind of uh, set a goal to do a half marathon. And so I ran a uh, half marathon uh, in 2007 at a time of about 2.08. And then after that, ran some 5Ks, 10Ks, and then um, decided, yeah, that felt really good. You know, I'll, why not? I'll try a, a full marathon, you know? And so it's one of those things where I kind of underappreciated how much um, that would uh, uh, run a full marathon really it really was. And so it was like a goal. It was a finish goal, right? And so at this time, uh, it was kind of a, just a finish. I was running somewhere around um, during my training for this. For that marathon uh, in 2008, I was running somewhere around, around 30 miles a week, just kind of on my own, no training plan, uh, just kind of however I, I felt. Um, so I ran uh, a full uh, marathon in 2008, 3.34, uh, the Tybee Island Marathon. Right after that, um, I developed ITV uh, issues and um, that knocked me out of running for good six months or so. Um, so then that time uh, I kind of the next, you know, two or three years, I kind of went in and out of running, uh, running like a 5k or 10k a year here and there over the next, you know, couple of years. And so very inconsistent um, between, I would say 2008 and 2012, pretty inconsistent. And so in 2012, I uh, started running a little bit uh, again, more consistently, uh, got mileage up to comfortably around 20 miles a week, ran another half marathon and uh, brought my time down to 154. And then over the next two years, just kind of would run 20 miles or so a week uh, pretty consistently. Uh, then in 2015, um, I started uh, with a group, did kind of boot camp style workouts with a lot of running, F3, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but um, it's kind of a peer-led boot camp style workout group. And so I gained a lot of athleticism in the boot camp, and we did a fair amount of running. But uh, in 2016, early 2016, uh, there's a race. It's called the Palmetto 200. It's a relay race. Um, and so I got asked to be on a team for doing that, and it's a 12-man team over about 207 miles, so I was going to cover about 19 miles, and so really kind of focused in and honed in uh, running uh, for that, and so got up close around 25, 30 miles a week running comfortably for that, um, did that, and then thought, man, I just really, really enjoy all of this, and so I decided that in 2016, uh, in December, this was in March that I ran the Palmetto 200, and I, uh, there's a local uh, marathon, the uh, Keough Island Marathon, that's in December, and I thought, you know what? I need a goal uh, to keep myself motivated to run, and so I'm going to run the Keough Island Marathon. So 
did that. Um, and so set that goal. And so between March of 2016 and December of 2016, I really, really started hammering out the miles. And this is kind of where I, I think I made, I did a lot of things right, but I also did a lot of things wrong. I decided that um, in order to run faster, I, I needed to, to lean up a little bit. And so I dramatically increased my miles and shedded some weight. At this time, you know, I was comfortably running about 20 or so miles a week. Um, but, you know, monthly, I dramatically increased my miles per week and subsequently lost a fair amount of weight. And, you know, it, it worked. Uh, I got faster. Um, you know, I increased my, my mileage from, you know, in May, I was running about 20 to June, I was running about 30. Uh, July, I was running about 40 miles a week. Uh, I kept that in July and August, running about 40 miles a week. Uh, September, I was up, to, you know, maintaining mid 40s, and then um, at the at the end of uh, September, I developed some plantar fasciitis, and so took a week or so off uh, in the midst of marathon training. And October, got back up to the mid 30s. November, um, I decided I was going to run a tune-up race uh, here locally. Uh, there's a half marathon. And at this time, I was back up to running about 40 miles a week. Ran my PR for a half marathon um, at 128. At that point, I had you know a fair amount of confidence going in that I was just going to you know, just crush this, this, uh, this marathon. About two weeks leading up um, to it, um, so two weeks after... The half marathon about two weeks before, so I ran about four weeks out from Kiowa. I ran that uh, half uh, marathon. My knee started bothering me. I'm kind of, you know, you you've had ITD issues, you know the the, the pain. Um, so it started kind of bothering me, and I kind of brushed it aside, brushed it aside, and so went ahead and just pushed through and ran. Didn't take any time off. Just kept pushing miles between then and Kiowa. Uh, marathon. So, got to the Kiowa Marathon, went out, overpaced faster than I was going to, and I felt good. Um, you know, a story that's been written a thousand times. You know, I felt good for the first 18 miles, and then uh, it just all fell apart. Uh, my just knee started hurting. I was exhausted. I just totally bonked. Um, you know, at one point. You know, my hamstrings started cramping and I was sitting on the side of the road, but I decided to push through. And then, um, so <laughs> funny enough, I ended up running a PR of 330 uh, despite all that. Um, but afterwards, I was just, I was crushed. You know, I come off that, you know, PR, half marathon, I was just running cloud nine, you know, and then I get to this thing and I just absolutely get crushed. Following the Q Island Marathon, I, um, it had to take some time off for my, you know, ITV to heal and started doing some biking, some swimming, and then um, decided last year I was going to, you know, I really kind of like this. So I was going to just keep doing cross training, do some triathlons. Uh, so I was able to um, do some triathlons last year, kept my mileage comfortably in the 30s uh, throughout the year. Um, I did a half Ironman. October of last year and immediately following the uh, the half Ironman um, in October, 
I had a reoccurrence of my ITV issues. Um, and really at this point, it was like one of those things that was really frustrating because it previously I, you know, I kind of bounced back, but after this last October, uh, ITV issue, it just kept reoccurring and reoccurring and reoccurring. And anytime I would try to, you know, take a couple of days off and try to run anything, it just kept reoccurring. And, um, you know, I'm sure you've, you've encountered it as well. You know, it's really confident crushing whenever, you know, you can't run and then every run you, when you set out, it's like, you know, it's, am I going to get, am I going to start hurting? Am I going to have to finish this run in pain or, you know, or what? And so, um, interesting enough, um, a friend of mine had been using your ITV routine. So I Googled, you know, researched all this stuff and found, came across your ITB band routine um, before I really knew anything about team strength running and um, started doing it uh, just religiously um, and then um, kind of looked in and came to start following your team strength running and um, and here we yeah. are. And here we are. Wow. So you've, you've had quite the ride over the years. A lot of similarities. I mean, we are about the same age. We were formerly basketball players. I, I stopped growing once I hit high school, so I had to, unfortunately, let that dream die. But, you know, we've had plantar fasciitis. We've had IT band problems. I had to sit out for six months. So I, I feel your pain. I, I know a lot about uh, a lot of these issues that you're you're dealing with right now. Wow, we could take this in a lot of different directions right now, uh, from everything from the importance of strength work that I think you've realized now that you're consistently doing more of it, to the fact that, you know, you, you started getting all these injury problems, you know, when your mileage ramped up. And I think that's an important lesson just to talk about briefly, the fact that high mileage is enormously beneficial for running faster, particularly in the longer events, but... And the huge but here is that it's risky. You know, high mileage does increase your risk for all kinds of overuse injuries. You know, the technical term for running injuries is a repetitive stress injury. And clearly, the more you run, the more repetitive stress that your body is experiencing. So, you know, I think you know, one of the principles that I have for injury prevention is, and, and this is arguably the least sexy of all of my injury prevention strategies, and that's patience. Um, and that's, you know, really thinking about mileage and long run distances from a very long term perspective so that, you know, you, you kind of went 30 miles, you know, 20 miles a week, 30 miles a week, 40 miles a week, you know, and within four months, you had more than doubled your mileage. Um, you know, I, I think that's possible. And, and I think you can do it strategically. But at the same time, it's risky. Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, when you understand that your risk for injury when you're running higher mileages is really during that ramp up phase. It's that phase of going from 20 to 40. Um, once you get up there, you're like, you've reached the Holy land. So as long as you can just maintain it, it becomes a lot easier. And when it, this process is done very gradually over the course of years, rather than months, you know, you'll, you'll be running 60, 70, 80 miles a week before you know it, but it does take those years and years of getting there. Um, so I think that can be really helpful for a lot of people. You know, I think the, the general scenario that I run into all the time with coaching runners is that, 
you know, the runner who's doing 15, 20 miles a week wants to get ready for a marathon in four months. And, you know, we have that situation now where, okay, well, we got to go from 20 to 40 miles a week. You got to go from a nine mile long run to about a 20 mile long run. And it's that same condensed period of ramping up workload that is such a huge injury risk. So I guess point number one is just to be patient. You know, I think, you know, that the 10% rule is, I think, incomplete and and we can build upon that, but it is very common. And, you know, it's not a completely worthless rule for building mileage, but, you know, at the lower mileage levels, you can kind of see how, you know, you're adding like one or two miles a week. It's, it's very, very, um, uh, uh, very conservative. But then again, once you get to 30, 40 miles a week, you know, a month later, you're running 50 miles a week, it does start to pick up very quickly. And so I think runners just have to be wary that, you know, this rule really breaks down at the very short mileage levels, and at the higher mileage levels. So you can you can increase your mileage by way more than 10% a week if you're running 10 miles a week. But you know, once you're up at 30, 40 and beyond, you might want to be a little bit more conservative. Uh, and I'd rather runners be a little bit more cautious, take their time, because at the end of the day, I'd much rather you consistently run 35, 40 miles a week than get into a situation where you just had to run 45, you did it for two weeks, and now you're injured. Well, you know, now you have to take weeks off, potentially even more time, and you end up running significantly less mileage, even though your initial goal was trying to run more mileage. Um, and then I, I think it was interesting, you know, you mentioned, you know, this IT man problem just kept reoccurring and it kept reoccurring. You take some time off, you'd come back, it'd be okay for a little while, boom, then it would happen. And I assume the ITBS would flare up when you did a long run or a faster workout or some sort of higher effort type of a run. And, you know, this goes to show that rest is not treatment of an injury, just simply sitting on the sidelines and not running is not the same as actually treating your injury with like a formal protocol. So, you know, as any runner who's been to a physical therapist knows, you don't go to PT for an injury and they tell you, okay, um, well, you're just going to sit in the chair for this hour session and rest. And, uh, you know, if you come back six more times and sit in that chair, <laughs> you know, obviously I'm kind of making a joke here, but, um, you know, rest is not treatment. And so I think any runner who's dealing with an injury should be aggressively treating it, uh, making sure that they're doing everything possible to um, make sure that their injury is is being treated appropriately rather than just waiting because you're not really solving the underlying problem that is causing the injury. And I, and I think that's uh, really critical. So let's let's dive into your training a little bit. I want to make sure that we're giving you some really specific advice here, Sam. Now, when you were, um, let, let's just go over some PRs here. So you've run, I know you've run uh, 3.30 in the marathon. You've run 88 minutes in the half marathon. Now, were those your all-time PRs now or have you run faster since? Those are my all-time PRs in those distances. Okay. Now, what about maybe 5K or 10K? Uh, 5K is 1840, and 10K is uh, 3858. All right. So you seem to be better at the shorter distances, right. which yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that you're better at the shorter distances. It's just right now you've managed to put together more competitive 
shorter distance PRs. And, you know, that's pretty common, you know, and, and I think it speaks to the fact that the harder distances are more challenging. They require more work and it's more of a long term endeavor. You know, you can probably run a really good 5K, you know, with three or four years of training. You know, if you started running brand new, never run a step within five years, you might be able to run uh, something close to your physiological, you know, uh, fastest time if your training is awesome. But on the other hand, you're never going to be able to do that in the marathon because the building the capacity of your aerobic metabolism just takes a long time. You know, there's um, a lot of marathoners, if you noticed, you know, they don't run a marathon, the, the best marathoners, until they might be eight or 10 years into their career. You know, they've worked on their speed, they've gotten fast at all these other distances. And, you know, that speed and just the general endurance of all that training carries over really well to the marathon. So um, I, I think that is, you know, just something to keep in your mind. You know, don't think that you're destined to never run a faster marathon. It's just that it requires just all this work. And sometimes it's very risky work. With those times, let's let's talk about one of the other major contributors to injury, which is how fast you're running your easy runs. Um, I think a lot of runners push the effort when they shouldn't be pushing the effort. And, you know, the effort should be really reserved for the long run on the weekend, the one or two faster sessions that you're doing. And, you know, the other runs should be relatively easy. You don't have to hammer the pace on, you know, these kinds of runs. So let's look at, um, let's just say like, you know, like if you go out for uh, an easy four or five mile run, there's no pace expectations. We might be running together. You're telling me a funny story that happened to you last weekend. What kind of pace might we be running for that kind of an effort? Um, for those historically, uh, tried to keep right around an eight minute pace, 745 to eight minutes, somewhere around there. Okay. So those are your, those are your really easy paces. And you know what? I, I think that's great. I think that's a, an appropriate pace for you. I'd probably say that your easy pace range is somewhere along the lines of 730 to 830 per mile. Um, you know, some of your really easy recovery runs might drift a little bit slower. Uh, if you're feeling good on an, on a, you know, a, a typical run, you might be a little faster than 730. If, you know, you're just cruising down a slight downhill, feeling great. But for the most part, I think somewhere between 730 and 830, based on your personal bests, is is a good range for you. Uh, and I think whenever you are in hard training, so your mileage is up, you might be training for a marathon, so your long runs are substantial, and the workouts, the faster sessions are challenging, you know, that might be the time to to go a little bit on the slower end of this range. And maybe more importantly, forget pace, just run by feel, just go out there and say, this run's going to be really easy. And just make sure that it feels easy for the duration of the run. So that when you finish, you know, you can then look at your watch if you're using a GPS watch and just figure out what the pace might have been. But as long as the general feel is easy, then you're getting a nice recovery stimulus uh, from that run. All right, so let's talk about what you're training for uh, right now. So You've you haven't actually PR'd in the in the half or the marathon since uh, about 2016. So now it's 2018. What are you shooting for these days? Um, so I have signed up for uh, the Kiwa Island Marathon again in December, um, and really that's I um, just finished a um, I did the Palmetto 200 
just a couple of weeks ago. And really, other than that, um, there's really nothing on the books, which is kind of one of the, the things I wanted to, to talk to you about. Um, what, what should I be doing? How should I be kind of structuring? I mean, I, I really have not signed up for any races. Um, you know, I, I kind of went into this year thinking, you know, I'm going to really focus on the, you know, this, this December race, but then quickly realized, you know, I need, I need something else in between, but I don't, I don't really know how, how to, I guess, uh, to structure this year to be able to, to do that, or if it's a reasonable goal that I should do that or, or what, um, what are your thoughts on that? No, I think it's completely reasonable. I mean, we're recording this in April. You want to do a December marathon. You have eight months. That's that's a long time. That is sufficient to adequately prepare for a marathon, uh, particularly because you're not a you're not a new runner. Not only have you run some fairly competitive times, but you know you have some experience running over forty miles a week. You've already done uh, more than a marathon. You've done s- several half marathons, so you're not a beginner. You know you can you can get ready for a marathon in you know probably twenty weeks based on where you're at. Um, so now the question becomes, how do you structure the entire year to both, you know, make sure that you have a good marathon, but then make sure that, you know, you're developing as an athlete, you're getting faster, stronger, and, you know, this race isn't going to bury you like it might have in the past, you know, you're going to come out of it feeling good with hopefully uh, another PR. So I think it's helpful to look at these eight months and say, First of all, it's way too long for one training cycle. You're not going to start now and just go straight through till December. You're going to be cranky and tired and fatigued, and you're not going to want to even run this marathon. You're just going to be tired of running. So, you know, I like to have runners do a pre-marathon cycle where the focus, the the kind of training focus is very different than the marathon. Um, I think it's helpful to know that running is running Running fitness is running fitness. doesn't matter if you're training for a fast mile or a marathon. You're still becoming a better runner. So with that said, you know, let's work on your speed. Let's let's get faster. Uh, you've run a 5K under six-minute mile pace. I think that's fantastic. Uh, that is going to transfer quite well to all your other races. And, you know, I think, you know, just looking at some of your PRs that you noted, your marathon is ripe for a an enormous PR. I mean, you are, I think, ready for this as long as your training is good. And so what we can do now over, say, the next three to four months is let's try to run some more really fast 5Ks and 10Ks. Um, you know, you could you could do it as simply as, you know, follow a, a 16-week training plan from the team website. Uh, but what I'd recommend is, you know, let's race three or four times uh, kind of at the peak of this, quote, season. And, uh, you know, all those, you know, all the training will really be geared towards, you know, that kind of maybe uh, six or eight week period of time where you're doing all these races. And the goal is just to get faster. You know, let's let's try to improve your 5K PR. Let's improve your 10K PR if you can. And the only consideration that I think you might have to make is uh, maintaining a decent long run during this training, knowing that you're going to transition to marathon preparation afterward. Um, So, you know, if you could get your long run up to something like 13 to 15 miles, that's going to accomplish two goals. Number one, it's going to make you a better 5K and 10K runner. 
Number two, it's going to make your marathon training that you're going to do in the future a lot easier. It's going to be manageable. You don't have to start at that extremely low long run level. And, you know, like I mentioned before, a lot of the risk with injuries is in the ramping up phase. So you're essentially setting yourself up to do less ramping up. You're just going to be more maintaining uh, uh, a similar mileage level. Um, and, And I think, you know, as long as you're taking some time off after this kind of 5k, 10k training cycle, then you're not going to you know, risk overtraining, you're not going to risk, you know, being overly fatigued or anything like that. When it comes to your marathon training, you know, you'll, you'll take about a week off after your final race. uh, And then the first couple weeks of marathon training aren't super hard anyway. So you'll have a nice little introduction to, um, to running, you know, once you're, once you take that week off. But you know, generally speaking, this is how, if you want to keep improving season after season, year after year, is kind of how you go about it. You train for different types of races. You always try to get faster. Um, and it doesn't really matter what distance the race is, 5K, marathon, as long as you're going through the the training fundamentals most of the time, then you're going to keep improving. And uh, I, I think, you know, honestly, with your PRs, I think you should be shooting for you know, a, a 310 or a, or a Boston qualifying mark. I think it's there for you, Sam. Oh, that, that's awesome. Um, so I kind of have two questions on the ramping up phase. Um, so <clears throat> mileage, um, I've always had this kind of difficulty with in understanding increasing mileage along with intensity. How, how do you, in terms of be able to, to, to coach in terms of should I increase? I've always understood to not increase both at the same time. Is that is that an improper understanding, or how do those two things to fall into? You know, increasing strictly the number of miles, but also the intensity. Great question. Um, I love how you're challenging me today. <laughs> so awesome. I, I think how here's how I think about it. I think about volume and intensity combined as workload. So what's your workload? Well, it's 40 miles a week and maybe 10% of that is is faster during a, a fast workout. And I think you can increase both. Uh, I, I do so when I write training plans for folks, you know, when I develop programming, I do increase both intensity and volume at the same time. It's really hard not to, but I take a lot of steps to mitigate the risk of that. So I think if you are going to increase both at the same time, you know, the increases in both have to be fairly modest. Um, so if we're talking about weekly mileage, maybe that's increasing lower than 10% and it's not every single week. So uh, a common thing I use in many of my training plans are adaptation weeks. And it's this concept of, you know, let's increase your mileage a little bit. Let's make your workouts a little bit more challenging, but let's then repeat that week. We don't have to increase the workload of your training every single week um, because that is, that's kind of that aggressive ramping up that I think we're, we're discovering as a theme here that um, it does re- uh, increase your injury risk. So the way I think about it is instead of separating them, I think of them as one kind of uh, metric and that's total workload. And as long as it's modestly being increased, then I think that's fine. And then, of course, some periods of the training cycle um, might 
overemphasize increasing your mileage versus increasing your intensity. So, you know, uh, in the first six weeks or so, maybe of a marathon plan, the workouts are getting more challenging, but they're still not very hard. They're going from easy to still pretty easy to maybe kind of moderate, but the mileage might be increasing much more uh, uh, substantially. So I think that is another way to think about it in that, you know, they don't have to increase by the same amount every every week or every, you know, two weeks, whatever the metric that you're using. Uh, it's just something to keep in mind when, you know, you might be building your own training plan is that you can do both, but keep them super modest. And at certain points of the training cycle, um, you know, at the beginning, you might be focusing more on mileage and getting your long run up. And then maybe the final six weeks of the training cycle, maybe final four weeks of the training cycle, your mileage isn't increasing very much. Maybe it's it's going up a little bit, but the difficulty of your workouts is increasing a lot more substantially. Uh, and that's just basic periodization right there. I mean, we're talking more, you know, building the endurance base at the beginning of the cycle. And then, you know, once you're closer to your race, maybe when you're doing your tune-up races, uh, as you're getting ready to run fast, you do add more specific work to the training. And that generally is much more intense and much more challenging. So that's that's how I think about both. I think you can you can do both at the same time. You just kind of have to be a little bit more careful and a little bit more strategic with where you're uh, adding, you know, stress because that's what, what we're doing. Mileage and faster workouts, they're just different types of stress. And as long as the total stress increase is kept below a reasonable amount, uh, I think you should be fine. Now, let me ask you, are you at all interested in racing shorter events, you know, this spring and summer? Or is that something where you're like, nope, not going to happen, Jason. I hate 5Ks. I'm only a, a half marathon marathon guy now. Um, no, I, I think 5Ks are, having never ran a great marathon, uh, I think 5Ks are extremely difficult races. I just, you know, you just feel like, but I, I enjoy them. And no, that would, that totally, it sounds great. Um, you know, it's, it, 5Ks to me are always like, you you know, you're just right at that red line, the, the entire race. And it's such a, a tightrope um, of, you know, going too fast versus, you know, going too slow. And, but no, I am totally um, am up for that type of cycle. The other fun thing about doing this is that because you're preparing for two very different races, you're going to be doing different types of training. You know, you're not going to be running 20 miles for your long run. You're, um, you know, you're not going to be running, you know, a lot of long tempo runs. You're going to be doing faster work. You might be doing shorter long runs, but they might include some some quality in there. You might, you know, not just be running all easy pace for your long runs and that's more fun. You know, you're going to be changing the the type of training you're doing and that keeps you more mentally engaged with what you're doing. And, you know, I see a lot of runners who just run three marathons a year. They're kind of always in this marathon cycle. And look, if that's what you're interested in, that's what you love to do, all the more power to you. But from a training perspective, I don't think it's the most effective way at becoming a better marathoner. And this is just my personal opinion. I think it's a little bit more boring. You know, I'd much rather change the focus up so that you can, you know, work different systems and uh, just have more fun. You know, the more variety, the better. Now, there is one kind of issue that <clears throat> I wanted to touch on quickly. And this was, you know, when we were shooting emails back and forth, setting up this call, you know, you mentioned that, uh, you know, in your 
cases where you have gotten injured, you were pretty much only running and you didn't do a lot of other work in your training. And uh, maybe you can talk a little bit more about that because, you know, you're a former basketball player. You, you know, did all these these kind of boot camp type classes with F3 and, you know, you gained a lot of athleticism and presumably a lot of strength. And I think that you felt better after doing some of that stuff. Let me ask you, why did you stop doing it? And how did that make you feel physically? Um, so no, that's, that's great. That's definitely something else I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, so, um, I guess your first point was, uh, how do I, how did I feel? I, I felt great. Like I felt strong. Um, and which is why I think I, I was, I felt great whenever I was up in my mileage. Um, you know, I was going to the gym fairly regularly. I was, you know, squatting and, you know, had, you know, a decent you know, weightlifting kind of routine along with the boot camp. And then when I decided I wanted to run, um, you know, boot camp kind of made me, <laughs> made me sore. Um, and so it, it would, you know, um, they running afterwards and all that, it, I, you know, I kind of got into this mentality of, oh, well, you know, I just want to run more, and so I'm just going to run more and not do that, which, you know, at a certain time, I thought, well, maybe I would, you know, uh, injury prevention type deal, you know, because, you know, we do a lot of stuff at night or um, early morning, and so it was dark, and, um, you know, a lot of times that was the easiest time to run also, and so uh, to get my runs in, my longer runs, um, I would just kind of forego that, but, um, initially I felt really strong, really athletic. Um, and then I just kind of drifted away from both of those and thought, well, the only way I'm going to run faster is to run more. And so I got into this mentality of, I just ran. Um, and, um, between March, um, of 2016 and the Kew Island Marathon, you know, I dropped about 30 pounds, um, you know, and I kept reading this and, you know, you read all this stuff about, you know, you don't lose weight while you're training for a marathon, you lose muscle. I thought, oh, no, 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 there's no way I'm losing muscle. I absolutely, Jason, lost a ton of muscle and strength, um, not doing any weight training, just running and in this, you know, kind of light and lean type mentality. And um, i fully confident that that is what led to, to some of my, um, uh, injuries, um, you know, to my, you know, one overuse injuries and just reoccurring injuries, um, totally led to some of it, which I think is why I've been able to, you know, now that I've you know, kind of been doing, um, you know, your you know, sandwiching routines and stuff like that, uh, sandwiching runs and getting back into the gym and lifting and all that, um, slowly, um, been able to, to gain back some strength, um, and starting to feel better. Um, but yeah, I think one of the more important lessons I've learned <clears throat> about running over the years is simply that, uh, if you are strong, you're going to be able to handle higher mileage levels. And some people are strong just genetically and they have incredible mechanics and they're just been blessed with a super efficient form. 
Now, that's not most people. So most people have to resort to strength training to get strong and to maintain their strength when they are doing high mileage weeks. Um, And high mileage is relative based on what you're capable of. But, you know, that strength enables the higher mileage and the higher mileage enables you to run competitive, fast workouts and races. Um, So, you know, it's kind of all connected. And I I kind of think of it as a series of if then statements. If you're strong, then you can do high mileage. If you do high mileage, then you can run really fast workouts. If you run fast workouts, then you're probably going to run fast races. So it's this, this kind of hierarchy of goals to help you think about your training. Um, so I think that's uh, a helpful kind of way of thinking about it for some runners. And, you know, I'm not too surprised that you're simply feeling better, uh, not just performing better, but feeling better. And that's much more of a subjective measure on a day-to-day basis now that you're, you know, doing a dynamic warm-up before you go running, which includes a series of, you know, light strength exercises, but more dynamic flexibility work. And then you're doing some runner-specific core and, and strength training. And you said also mentioned that you're getting in the gym. So you're not only just doing body weight stuff, but you're doing some actual real weightlifting. Uh, and that all increases your general athleticism, your coordination, your proprioception, knowing where your body is in space. And if you want to be a very uh, efficient runner with great form, you know, you look at some of these elite runners and they're, you know, at mile 24 of a marathon running 440 pace and they look pretty good. And it's just insane. Well, they're really strong and they do a lot of high mileage and drills and other uh, strength training that allows them to have the athleticism to be able to hold it together when they are incredibly fatigued. Um, you know, one of my favorite things to do is to go to a marathon around mile 24 or 25 and just watch the carnage. You will see human beings at their worst physically at that point of a marathon. And, you know, it just goes to show, wow, these people need to train much better than they have been training. Um, And then they're going to have not only better performances, but they're just going to have better experiences. The marathon will not be so soul crushing because after all, it is it is a hard event. It is uh, an absolutely you know, I, I think it's a grueling event. I think it's incredible that a half a million people line up to do a marathon just about every year in the United States because it's it's really difficult. And I think it's just a testament to the the changing landscape of what average people think is possible. So I think it's awesome on one hand, but at the other hand, you know, we kind of have to respect the distance and do the work so that we're not hurting ourselves or just having a really, really bad day. Yeah, to that um extent you know i i can't remember if it was one or two podcasts ago i and i apologize i can't remember the speaker off the top of my head now who said there's no such thing as a weak fast runner yes yeah that was our our episode with randy hower who's a, a strength coach he's a um I mean, I I can't even list off all his certifications and all that, but he works with a bunch of elite runners uh, up in Boulder, Colorado. And yeah, I think I just featured some of his advice up on the blog recently, but I can't agree agree more with that. There are no weak, fast runners. That is just perfect. And and I I think that, you know, that goes into the fact of why, you know, somewhere around 80% of runners every year or whatever have some injury. And I think it's a lack of strength training, you know, and I, and I really, I guess, misunderstood whenever I was trying to run, you know, mileage, not lifting any weights, not doing anything strength related. Um, you know, it's, and it's not, 
now looking back, you know, I believe that it's not just muscle strength. It's, it's everything, that, the tendons, ligaments, more, almost even more importantly, the tendons and ligaments, the stuff that really gets kind of injured just really weakens um, whenever you're not weight training and, and such. Right. And now let me say something blasphemous. A lot of runners can get away without doing any strength training if they're capable of running high mileage with great form and probably two fast workouts a week. Why? Well, high mileage really reinforces proper running form and so does running fast. And the other thing about running really fast is that it does build strength. You know, like Randy said, there are no weak, fast runners. Uh, there are some really fast runners who don't do any strength training. Um, it, there's a there's a decent number of elite runners that don't do any strength training. And it's not because that that is the ideal scenario. It's because they have learned that, you know, they don't have to. And, and I think they are kind of genetic outliers. You know, they've been blessed with some physical tools that most average people don't have. So they can get away with some things that we can't, you know, like running 140 miles a week. But um, the the speed work and the high mileage work together to give you a lot of strength. But, you know, my whole point is that most of us aren't elite runners and we, you know, we can drop very good principles from them. We can model our training after them for the most part, except scaled down and, you know, a little bit more reasonable, but we shouldn't try to do everything they do because they, they can do things that most people absolutely cannot. I agree. Um, there was one other topic that I really wanted to talk to you about, and you brought this up in an email. I thought it was really interesting. Um, you know, this is, you know, a hypothetical example, and then we'll talk more specifically about you, Sam, is when a runner does get injured. And let's say they're just running at, say, 35 miles a week. Um, <clears throat> you know, what happens to this runner when they come back from injury? How do they get back to their formal level? And how do they know if that level of training is what caused their injury? So in other words, should they try to get back to that 35 miles a week with the same number of workouts, the same intensity of the workouts, or should they potentially say to themselves, well, that's what got me hurt. I'm now going to run 30 miles a week with an easier workout and hope that, uh, you know, I'm not going to get hurt this time. A couple thoughts here. First, there is probably a set point that all runners will start to get injured at, and it's different for every runner. Uh, I know in my running career, I have run more weeks than I can count at 80, 85, and high 80s mileage levels. But the only other times that I have run 90 miles a week or more, and more, uh, 91, that's my record for the most number of miles I've gotten in a week, but every single time I've done it, I've gotten hurt. Every single time. And, you know, by the, by the third time, I was doing everything right. I was running really easy on my easy days, super consistent with strength training. At the time, I wasn't even running, you know, these really, really challenging hard workouts. You know, they were just a moderate, you know, effort workout once a week. Uh, so I do think that every runner is going to kind of reach a point. But with that said, I don't think most runners are ever really going to reach that point because it kind of requires you to, A, do everything right in your training, and most runners don't do that, and then B, uh, it requires you to really, over the course of years and years, build up your tolerance for training so that you can get to that high level. And I have a very optimistic belief that runners have more 
capabilities than they think they do. I think most runners can run 40, 50 plus miles a week. You just have to do it the right way. And that's like almost the whole point of strength running. It's like, let's get your training more strategic. Let's put some structure around it and be intelligent with our training decisions so that we can get you to those higher mileage levels. We can get you to be doing more challenging workouts, but it does take some time. It takes some patience. Um, and you know, we're runners. We're, we're not very patient people. So, you know, we want the PR yesterday. We want to finish the race two minutes ago. Um, so it, it's kind of a hard proposition sometimes, but I really do believe that most runners, uh, can get to higher levels that they think they are, you know, not capable of achieving. Um, you know, after four years of running, my first four years of of formal running and training, I never really ran more than about 50 miles a week. I got up there like once and, you know, it was like a one or two week thing. And then I went down to a much normal 35 to 40 mile a week range. Well, two years later, I'd be running consistent 70 miles a week. A year later, I'd be up at 85. So it's definitely possible, but you have to put the right structure around it and take all the necessary steps possible to mitigate your injury risk so that uh, you can do it um, strategically and then successfully. Um, but, you know, and then speaking more specifically to your your injury history, Sam, you know, I, I think one of the things that might have been your downfall back in 2016 and, you know, trying to come back after that marathon might have been like the 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 quick uh, addition of mileage to your weekly schedule that you did over the course of a couple months. Uh, and, you know, you did that. You, know, you had years of consistency around 15 to 30 miles a week. Um, and that's great. But then you went from 15 to 30 to 45 or so in a couple months. I, I think, I think you know, we should have been more aggressive on an annual basis, but less aggressive on a week-to-week or perhaps even month-to-month basis. Um, so that's kind of how I think about increasing workload in the context of injuries. It's that we can do it, and you can probably do it a lot more than you think you can. We just have to be really patient and and do it on a um, a long-term basis. And one of the things that, uh, short circuit that progression of workload is getting injured. So that's why, you know, another, another point on the side of just being patient and doing things slowly. Uh, and then also, um, simply just making sure that you're doing the strength training, you're doing a variety of run, running on a variety of surfaces, you're doing everything you can to stay healthy. Um, because if, if you can do that, if you cannot take significant chunks of time off, whether that's due to injury or, you know, perhaps if you're someone who just says, you know, I, I don't want to run in the winter. Well, it's going to be really hard if you take three months off every year to reach big goals. You know, I hear from runners all the time who they want to qualify for Boston, but they take three months off every year and then, you know, they go gung ho the rest of the year. It's just, well, it's just not the best way to go about things. Um, so, you know, generally speaking, what I'll say here, Sam, is that uh, I generally don't think that runners uh, should be limiting their running or their workouts for fear of injury. I think they should instead just get more strategic with their training because that that is uh, not only probably more effective, but it's also in service of your long-term goals. You know, you're going to run better and faster if you can increase your workload. So it's, 
It's just one of those scenarios where if, if you want to get better and faster, it behooves you to be as strategic as you can with your training. All right. Well, I hope this was helpful for you. We, uh, we went, I, I feel like I, we both had long rants of talking about, you know, these, these different issues and, and, you know, you talking about your history and me, you know, giving you my thoughts about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I really hope that this was something that, uh, you know, I hope you maybe even took notes on it so that you can be strategic with things uh, this year. And, you know, if you can run some fast races over the summer, uh, you stay healthy and then, you know, build upon that success in the fall as you get ready for that marathon. I I think you should go for a a Boston qualifying time uh, because you are, 315. I think so. I think it goes up to 315 right when you turn 35, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So that's totally possible. I mean, that that's running, uh, let's see, that's running 137.30 per half marathon. Uh, you've run about 10 minutes faster than that. Your 5K and 10K times, even with your older PRs, indicate your ready to run even faster in the half marathon. So, you know, this summer, if you can take your 5Ks and 10Ks down a lot, and then uh, if you plan a half marathon tune-up before this December marathon, you know, about four to six weeks out before the race, uh, you know, try to get under 85 minutes or so. I think that's going to be possible for you. And, you know, PRs lead to more PRs. Uh, If you can get faster in the 5K and the 10K and then the half, you know, what's to say that you're not ready to run a much faster marathon? I think you are because you've demonstrated that you're at a higher fitness level. You have more skill. You're capable of more physically. And, you know, running fitness is running fitness. Right. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I didn't wouldn't have thought about, you know, trying to really, really focus on 5Ks, uh, the shorter distances. Um, so, no, that, that's really that's really helpful. And it makes a lot of sense. Um from multiple standpoints. So no, that's, that's awesome. And there it is. My conversation with Sam about his running history, injuries, and all the different ways that he can structure his training to keep getting faster. And I want to help you prevent more injuries and get faster too. I can do that in team strength running. Our members live all over the world and enjoy more resources than any other virtual team, a library of more than 30 training plans, discounts on gear and other coaching programs and different fueling products, and a new expert interview every single month. We also do live, regular coaching calls with me, and most importantly, teammates. Teammates who are there to support you, cheer you on, give you accountability to stick with your training, and if motivation is ever low, you'll have a supportive group of runners just like you that can help you stay on track. Sign up to learn more about the team at strengthrunning.com slash TSR. We don't open often, so please take advantage of the opportunity. One more time, it's strengthrunning.com slash TSR. Thank you for listening, and I hope to feature you sometime soon as our next success story. Success story.